We're in a brand new sermon series today leading up to Easter. Can you guys believe it? How many of y'all feel like we just got finished with Christmas? And Easter is coming. And so this is the series leading up to Easter. And we're going to have awesome, awesome Easter services. Man, don't, don't hesitate. Don't wait. Don't put it off. Start inviting your friends. And can I just tell you that people will come with you to church at Easter when they won't come at any other time. So I hope you are already inviting your family and friends uh, to come to church. We have a lot of guests with us today because of the uh, child dedication. Let's give it up for our guests one more time. We're so glad you guys are with us. If you're going to put something on social media, uh, use the hashtag at the cross. That way we'll all get to see that. And if you'd like the sermon notes or if you'd like to communicate with the church in any way, uh, use this email address right here. Matthew 27, Matthew 27, that's going to be where we take this series from. We're just going to walk through the verses of Matthew 27, and we'll go in other places in the Word of God, and uh, we'll visit other scripture references, but Matthew 27 is going to be the heart of our message. It is uh, a chapter in the Bible that every person, especially every Christian, ought to read frequently. The content of Matthew chapter 27 is um, something that ought to be burned into your heart. The story, the description of Matthew 27, it ought to be burned into your mind and into your soul and into the consciousness of every person. The heart of the gospel is found in Matthew chapter 27. This chapter tells us of the humiliation and the suffering of Jesus Christ leading up to and including what he experienced on the cross. But you know what? Even if you had the imagination of a poet or the mind of a philosopher or even the hand of a great artist or the voice of a great singer, you still could not imagine nor describe nor put in the, into words the horror and tragedy that our Lord experienced on the hill called Mount Calvary. That place where Jesus, the Son of God, died for the sins of every one of us sitting here today and the sins of all mankind past present and future. Don't ever forget that all of the people in the Old Testament were saved looking for a cross, looking for a Messiah, looking for a Redeemer. All of us, the New Testament on, were saved looking back at the cross. It's all about the cross. It's all about Jesus. You say, well, where does Jesus really show up? He shows up in Genesis. He shows up in Genesis because the Bible tells us in Hebrews that Jesus was involved in the creation. Listen, Jesus is. He always has been and he always will be. Why? Because Jesus is God. Jesus was there at creation, the Bible tells us. You know, in this series, I want you to see who it was who crucified Jesus. 
I want us to go through Matthew 27, and we're going to study who crucified Jesus. And maybe you're here today and you're saying, well, pastor, it was the Jews. The Jews crucified Jesus. But let me remind you that his disciples were Jews. His apostles were Jews. Those who followed him and thronged him and loved him were Jews. You say, well, then the Romans, it was the Romans, the soldiers, they're the ones who crucified Jesus. But you need to understand that the Roman soldiers were only carrying out the orders they had been given. Now, if you're thinking, we crucified Jesus, if you're thinking even deeper, saying, I think, Pastor, that I crucified Jesus, then you're on the right track and you're getting closer to the truth. Because the fact of the matter is we all had a role. Every one of us here today had a role in the crucifixion of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There's an old hymn I remember singing as a boy that had a question in it. How many of y'all still love the old hymns? And I, I love how we here at the bridge, amen, we here at the bridge, uh, we'll take an old hymn and, and jazz it up just a little bit, but the message of that hymn is still right there. And, and this old hymn asked the question, were you there when they crucified my Lord? Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Uh, one of the things I love to do, it helps keep me grounded. It helps um, uh, keep me um, accountable. As I go back and listen to the old preachers, the great old preachers, one of the things that I love about this newfangled interweb, have you all heard about the interweb? <laughs> you said, I think that's internet. I know, but and for me and George Bush, it's internets. There's more than one. Anyway, so... So on the internet, I love YouTube. Y'all like YouTube? <laughs> you can laugh on YouTube. You can go, whoa. Yeah, I mean, there's so much. But there's some of the old preachers are on there. Some of the old preachers. Um, Vance Havner. Anybody ever heard of Vance Havner? Man, he's one of the great old preachers that they had recording devices, and they recorded some of his stuff, and he's great. Another one, I believe there are some recordings on there of Dr. R.G. Lee. Uh, Dr. R.G. Lee, great old preacher, uh, preacher of old. Uh, I remember a great story about R.G. Lee. R.G. Lee uh, preached a sermon, and some of y'all may know this, he preached a very famous sermon called Payday Someday. Have you ever heard of that sermon, Payday Someday? And it was a great sermon about Jezebel and Ahab and, and all of that. And, you know, that was back in the day when they didn't sugarcoat it, buddy. They didn't know what seeker-friendly meant back then. They just put the word out there. I don't know about you, but I kind of like that kind of preaching, don't you? And R.G. Lee put it out there. I mean, he laid it out straight, and, and he preached this sermon called Payday Someday. I, as a matter of fact, let's tell you how old, I've got a cassette recording. I don't have anything to play it on. <laughs> But I've got a cassette recording of that message where he preached that message. And it's a great one. And the story goes that he was in the mountains one time with his wife on vacation. And they pulled into the parking lot of a tiny little church. And he went in and they sat on the back row. And R.G. Lee, I mean, he was known all over the world. And this guy had no idea who was in his congregation. And he preached that sermon. 
He preached Dr. R.G. Lee's sermon, Payday Sunday. And so when service was over, they got in the car, and he looked at his wife, R.G. Lee, and he said, Honey, what do you think about a young boy like that preach my sermon? She said, I think he shoots your gun better than you do. <laughs> I got to tell you, that sounds just like something Millie would say. But Dr. R.G. Lee was a great preacher, and he went to Israel for the first time, and he went to that place called Mount Calvary. And when he stood there, the person who was giving the lecture and talking to them about uh, Calvary asked the question, have any of you ever been here before? And Dr. Lee's hand popped right up. And the gentleman looked at him and he said, oh, sir, when were you here before? And Dr. Lee said, 2,000 years ago. He was there when the Lord was crucified. Hey, I was there. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Yes. You were there and I was there because it were our sins. It was our sins that crucified the Lord Jesus. One writer said it was our hands that slapped his face. It was our spittle that ran down his precious face. They were our sins that nailed him to the cross. And our hard hearts were the hammer that drove the nail. So I want us to see who crucified Jesus. Really, I want us to see what crucified Jesus because we're not going to talk about particular characters in the Bible. We're going to talk about mindsets that were there at the crucifixion of Jesus. We're going to talk about attitudes that were there. And the first one I want to talk about today is the fact that self-righteousness crucified Jesus. Self-righteousness crucified the Son of God. Look in Matthew chapter 27 uh, and verse 1. It's up on the screen uh, if you'd like to follow along. It says, When morning came, all the chief priests and elders of the people plotted against Jesus to put him to death. I want you to notice there, chief priests and elders. Who were these chief priests? Who were these elders? I'll tell you who they were. They were religious people. They were religious leaders. They were theologians. They were religious experts. Listen to me. They were self-righteous people. Who crucified Jesus? What crucified Jesus? Listen to me. Religion crucified Jesus. Self-righteousness crucified the Son of God. The scribes were there. The priests, the elders, the Pharisees. Listen to me. They were religious outwardly. And they were very moral outwardly. So if a church was made up of Pharisees. If a church was made up of Pharisees and scribes and priests and elders and the crowd who was around the cross that day, the religious crowd, what would that church be like? Well, first of all, if there was a church made up of just Pharisees, you wouldn't be able to find a seat in that church because it would be packed out. 
And the reason it would be packed out is because they would be there every Sunday and every Wednesday, and there would always be an overflow crowd because in their book it was a rule that if you wanted to be right with God, then you had to obey the rule of going to church every time the doors were open. I know some of you are sitting there going, I think I was raised by a Pharisee. <laughs> My mom and dad um, took me to church uh, Every time the doors were open. My mom and dad loved church, but they made me love church. And I loved church. I didn't resent church. So not only uh, would a church filled with Pharisees be a church where the attendance would be fantastic, it's also a church where you'd never have to ask for volunteers because every one of them would volunteer to serve. Because in their rule book of being right with God, if you didn't serve every time the doors were open, every time there was an opportunity, then you would not be right with God. So they were always busy as bees, working, working, working their fingers to the bone. And I know some of you are thinking, well, that sounds like a pretty good church to me. Well, let me tell you one more good thing about a church full of Pharisees. The bank account of that church would be running over with money because they were meticulous about tithing on 10% of their income because if you were going to be right with God, you better go to church. And if you're going to be right with God, you better work your fingers to the bone. And if you wanted God to really love you and God to really like you and God to really forgive you of your sins, then you better tithe your 10%. As a matter of fact, if you'll read, you'll find that they tithed on the mint, on their mint now, I'm talking about that little plant that maybe you use, you ladies might use it in your cooking. Or maybe you put a little piece of mint tea or uh, mint, leaf, mint leaf in your tea. Or here, I mean, they tithed on their mint leaves. So I, don't, I guess they go out to the garden and count the leaves, and every tenth leaf they go, that's for Jesus, you know, or that's for God. I mean, my point is they were moral outwardly. They were self-righteous outwardly. These religious people, uh, let me just tell you a few of their rules that they had. How many of you know Pharisees go beyond the Word of God and they make the Word of God say things it doesn't say? They add their rules to it. Have y'all been to a church that has the Bible and then they have their rules that they've added to the Bible? Anybody? Don't raise your hand. Don't yell out a church name. These religious people, listen, they wouldn't even eat an egg if it was laid on the Sabbath. I will eat an egg laid on the Sabbath, let me tell you. If they got a tack in their shoe, they would wait until the Sabbath was over before pulling it out. And they also wouldn't wear that shoe on the Sabbath because they didn't want to be accused of carrying a burden on the Sabbath. Wow. If they were bitten by a mosquito, this is true. This is in their book. They would not even slap that mosquito on a Saturday because they might be accused of hunting on the Sabbath. I know we laugh. We laugh, but it's so important for you to know that Pharisees have their rules. And to be right with God, you have to obey their rules. They become very judgmental of those who don't obey their rules. So what would a church full of self-righteous Pharisees look like? That church would have great attendance. 
The finances would be through the roof. The people would be serving. And listen to me. And they would all die and go into eternity without Jesus Christ. Because they thought that their own goodness, they thought that their own righteousness made them right with God. They had the messed up idea that when you stand before God, he's going to put your bad stuff on one side of the weight. He's going to put your good stuff on the other side. And which one, if, if the good is heavier than the bad, you get to go to heaven. If the bad's better than, more than the good, then you don't get to go to heaven. And i got to tell you something. We laugh at that. But ladies and gentlemen, I talk to a lot of people who believe that. If you don't believe people believe that, go to a funeral. Go to a funeral and listen to a person stand up and tell you that that person is in heaven and they don't ever say they're in heaven because they had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. They tell you they're in heaven and then they list all the wonderful things they did. Are y'all hearing me preach today? It's really quiet. I want you to understand that self-righteous people crucified Jesus. They were very religious, but Jesus asked the Pharisees one time, he said, you've rejected me. I know you're very religious, I know you're very moral, I, I, I know you've got all your rules, but you've rejected me. He said, so let me ask you a question. How will you escape the eternal consequences of your decision to obey all your rules but reject me? Because Jesus had told them, in order for you to go to heaven when you die, you have to have a personal relationship with me. And then out of that relationship that you have with Christ, you do good things. Are you all with me? I like what one preacher said, and I'm going to try to remember this. (laughs) Um, He said, holiness doesn't get you closer to Jesus. But Jesus will get you closer to holiness. Now think about that. Being good, being holy doesn't make you a better Christian. But when you focus on Jesus, guess what the fruit of that is? A what? Holy lifestyle. So important to get that. So important for you to understand that today. I don't want anybody that I've ever preached to. You know, I've been in the ministry since I was 17 years old. I didn't know much. I didn't know much when I became a preacher. I mean, the only thing I knew was Moses had a coat of many colors. And some of you are going out going, Pastor, i got to help you with that. What Moses? There was a coat and there was Moses, but they didn't have any. I didn't know anything about the Bible, but I've been a preacher since I was 17 years old. And I've heard over and over again, it's explained in different ways, how that our goodness makes us right with God. No, your goodness doesn't make you right with God. Being right with God makes you good. Your goodness, your generosity, tithing, giving, serving, attending church, ought to come out of a love for Jesus. If you, if you put the rules before your relationship with Jesus, you're not going to be one of those happy Christians. You're not going to be a joyful Christian. If your joy is not based in Him. You ever run into Christians who look like they got baptized in vinegar? That's because they've put their deeds, their works, above their relationship with Christ. I hope I'm making sense.
today. Here's my point. Religious people crucified Jesus. Self-righteous people are the ones who crucified Jesus. People talk about getting religion. I hope you don't. I hope you don't. Religion never brought anyone into a rightly relationship with God. People don't need religion. They need to turn from religion and to Jesus. Religion will make you a mean person. If you want to if you want to find some mean people in the Bible, then look at these Pharisees. They were, as a matter of fact, one of the things I love, and y'all, y'all hear me talk about this all the time, when Jesus would teach and preach, the Pharisees would stand off and murmur against him. The addicts, the perverts, the murderers, the thieves, the sinners would draw near to him. They knew that the Pharisees had nothing for them, but they knew Jesus had love and forgiveness. And they knew that if they were ever good people, it would be because they were close to him. I love that. I love that story. And you can see it depicted if you're taking notes. Don't turn there now. But Luke 15, the first two or three verses of Luke uh, 15, it talks about how the Pharisees murmured against him and the unbelievers, the sinners, I mean the bad sinners, they loved him. They loved to be with him because they felt his love and forgiveness for them. No doubt there are people in every church, this church, the bridge, who think they are right with God because of their personal goodness. They hear someone present the gospel and they think that the message is not for them. They think the message is for the the thief, the murderer, the pervert, the addict. But they don't think the gospel is for them. And here's why they don't. And guys, I got to tell you, I see this all the time. They don't think they need the gospel. They don't think they need the message of how Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead and how all that was for them. They don't think they need that because they are very religious. And morally and outwardly, they're very good. But that doesn't make you a Christian. That doesn't make you a child of God. Please understand, again, it was religious and moral people that was that crowd that crucified the Lord, and self-righteousness is a sin against a holy God. Let me give you a quote here, and I actually should have put this on the screen, but... I kind of added it at the last minute. Listen to this quote. The worst form of human badness, the worst form of human badness is human goodness when it becomes a substitute for the new birth. The worst form of human badness is human goodness. When that human goodness makes you think, I don't need a Savior. I don't need Jesus. I don't need a cross to save me. Let me tell you why we call this church the bridge. Because the cross is the bridge to God. And there are people who think they're going to get to God through goodness, through giving, through serving. And look, we believe in giving, and we believe in being good, and we believe in serving, and we teach all that here at the church. But that's not the bridge to God. The bridge to God is the cross. And if you're going to have a personal relationship with God, if the relationship that 
was severed between you and God in the Garden of Eden, if that is brought together, if that is mended, you will go across the cross. The cross is your bridge to God. Goodness, giving, serving, that's not the bridge. That will not get you to God. Only the cross of Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, John said it to a very self-righteous Pharisee whose name was Nicodemus. Y'all ever heard of him? And I'm going to just give you this scripture reference. Don't look it up right now because I'm not going to preach on it. But just go to the book of John when you have the time. John chapter 3 verses 1 through 21. And Jesus told this man who knew the Bible, knew the rules, knew the Pharisee rules. He knew all the stuff that they taught that you got to do if you're going to be right with God. And, and he looked at Nicodemus and he said, man, you're brilliant, you're smart. Man, you're educated. You got more. You got so many degrees, Nicodemus. You look like a thermometer. Now that's not in the Bible. That's not. A, that's something I said. I mean, Nicodemus, you you got it all, but the one thing you don't have that's gonna allow you to be where I am, to be where God is when you die, is you don't have a relationship with me by faith. He said, "Let me tell you something. You were born of a woman." He said, but there's a second birth because you are dead spiritually. There is a second birth you have to experience. And it comes through repentance. And it comes through trusting me. That's what makes you right with God. Let me show you another scripture, Matthew 5 and 20. Jesus said, and he says it to us here at the bridge today. Hey, bridge, listen. Farrell Hardison, listen up. Unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Anybody don't get that? Anybody read that? I mean, that's the new King James Version right there. We read out of the King James. I mean, if Jesus comes, we're all going to heaven. I mean, you know. Do y'all, do y'all hear it? Do y'all see that scripture? Look at that scripture. And here's what he was saying. He's saying their, their righteousness is based on their goodness. Your, if you want to go to heaven, then your righteousness has to exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees. And the only way your righteousness can exceed their righteousness is through a personal relationship with me. Because here's what happens when you come to Jesus and you surrender your life to Jesus. Listen, he imparts his righteousness to you. Isn't that good? It's a gift. His righteousness is a gift to you, and if you have not received that gift, then you need to do it today. If you think you're going to heaven without becoming a new creation in Christ, if you think you're going to heaven without being experiencing this second birth, then you're grossly ignorant of two things. You are ignorant of how holy God is and how sinful you are. Because you can't do enough good works to be right with God. Are you understanding I don't want you to stand before God one day and go, I did this and I did this and I did this. And my pastor Farrell, he told me if I'd do all these things, man, I'd go to heaven. I don't want you to tell God that because it isn't true. But I, I'm going to tell you something, and I'm not here to bust on other churches, and I'm not here to put other churches down. But I'm telling you that most systems, most religious denominational systems in our world today, I didn't say all, but most of them are based on what you do. 
And people are being told by the multiplied millions, billions around the world that if you do, 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 you get to go to heaven. Human goodness, human goodness, when it becomes a substitute for the new birth, is the worst form of human badness. Look at Ephesians 2, and uh, I'm going to close with this. Amen. Y'all with me? Close. What does that mean? Tell the visitors. Doesn't mean anything. But it what? Come on. Gives you hope. Look at this. This is Paul talking to the church at Ephesus. God saved you by his undeserved love. God saved you by your works. Everybody say, wrong. God saved you by his grace. God saved you by his grace when you what? When you believed. Believed what? The gospel. Believed Jesus. Believe what he did for you. Believed and received. And you can't take credit for this salvation because it is a from God. Look at the next slide. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. Hey, hey, you're not your masterpiece. You're his masterpiece. We are God's masterpiece. Listen, he has created us anew. How? How did he create us anew? In Christ Jesus. So we can do. So, wait a minute. Hold time out. So you mean the salvation comes first. A relationship with God comes first. And we have that relationship with God. So we can what? Do the good things he planned for us long ago. Wow. So crystal clear. So first, we examine the hearts and attitudes of those who were surrounding the cross on that day of the crucifixion. And we find that Mr. Self-Righteousness was there. The guy who thought, my goodness, will get me to heaven. I don't even need Jesus. I mean, what a, I mean, if you could save yourself, why did Jesus go to the cross? If I could save myself, why did he go to the cross? If I could do enough good things to make myself right with God, Jesus would never have had to go to the cross. Are y'all with me? Self-righteousness crucified Jesus. You know what I'm glad about, though? For that sin, he died. And you might be sitting here today going, I think I might be one of those self-righteous people. Hey, listen, for that sin, and I've been that guy. I've been a self-righteous guy. We all have. But for that sin, Jesus died. He died for that sin too. And it is a sin, and he died for it. To forgive that person who thinks their self-righteousness will take them to heaven. Let me give you a little story about a, have you ever heard of a painter called Rembrandt? You ever heard of him? He's got a couple of good paintings. 
I'll tell you what he did. Man of God, he was a man of God. A lot of our history, they don't teach us that in our history lessons and stuff, but Rembrandt was a great believer. And he painted a portrait of Calvary. He painted a portrait with the three crosses, Jesus hanging on the cross. And one of the faces in the crowd, he painted his face. Because he said, I was there. My sins crucified Jesus. Pharaoh Hardison's sins crucified Jesus. Your sins crucified Jesus. Who was at the cross? I was there and you were there. Here's the difference. Is that we see our sins own our sin and we understand that the forgiveness of that sin and the washing away of that sin comes through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ you're not going to get to the end and God's got these scales up there and he puts all your good stuff on one side and all your bad stuff on the other side it's not going to be that way the Bible says he's going to look in the Lamb's book of life to see that if your name is recorded there that you knelt before Jesus said, Lord, I can't save myself. I need a Savior. And there's only one, and that's you. I need you, Lord, in my life. Nothing would make me happier than for you to make that decision today. And we don't do, um, we don't do old school um, altar invitations. You remember the old school, we'd sing 28 verses of Just As I Am. I love that song, though, because that song really is about the sermon. Just as I am. He'll take you just like you are. See, some of you sitting here, you're battling addiction. You're battling, you're looking at porn. You're battling all this stuff, and you're saying, well, when I, when I get that fixed and that fixed and that fixed and I get that fixed, then I'm going to come to church, and I'm going to, it doesn't work that way, man. That's like saying when I get all these diseases, get rid of all these, these diseases, I'm going to go to the doctor. You say, well, that's crazy. It's crazy for you to say, when I get all this stuff fixed in my life, then I'm going to come. Because Jesus will love me then. He'll want me then. He wants you now. Just like you are. Mm. I'm so glad Jesus specialized in the down and outers. I'm so glad Jesus specialized and the people nobody else wanted anything to do with. I'm so glad that when the Pharisees got around Jesus, they couldn't stand him, and they murmured against him, and the broken people drew near. That's the Jesus I know. Hey, man, it's why I'm a Christian, because Jesus loved and does love those who everybody else has given up on. He hasn't given up on you. And if you're one of those Pharisees, and you're one of those Christians who looks like you got baptized in lemon juice, he wants to make you sweet. And he wants you to turn away from your good works as your salvation. And he wants you to come to him and say, Lord, I do all these good works and I write them down and I keep a record, but Lord, I'm not right with you. And there's a sourness in me there was a, there's a bitterness in me like in the Pharisees. And Lord, I want to get right with you because I hate living that way. 
judgmental. I gossip. Because I think if I put somebody else down, that's going to make me look better. Man, I'm preaching good today. Man. Did y'all put an applause sign up? We need to get one of those. Would you stand with me? Let's all stand. Now here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray for you, and then I'm going to let you go. And I'm going to ask my prayer ministers. They're going to come, and they're going to line up across the front. Some of the staff who's available, they're going to be up here. I'm going to come down. We'll be happy to pray with you. We'll be happy to pray with you to receive Christ, or if you would like for us to pray for you for any other situation or issue. And listen, you don't even have to tell us what it is. You can just come up here and go, I really don't want to talk about it. I just need somebody to pray for me. We will pray with you. We're not going to put you through the third degree with a bunch of questions. We'll just pray for you. Um, if you are curious about God and you're not ready to walk up here today, then we got some free material. It's right over there. Uh, if, you, if you know somebody you're witnessing to that you want them to know about Jesus, you go by and pick up that free material. It's right there in the corner behind that cameraman. And uh, you just go back there and pick that up. It's free. Take it to them. And um, uh, we bless you in taking it and, and pray that God will send great fruit. Uh, if you're a first-time guest, we've got a gift for you on the way out. And we're just so glad you came to the bridge today. Father, thank you for today and thank you for your word. Let your word be in us. Help us not to push back and resist your word, but help us to receive it with gladness. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. I love you guys. God bless you. Thank you for coming to the bridge today.